The start order is 17423985. The Extra Lap RC Podcast. Yes, this is the Extra Lap RC Podcast. My name's Aidan Burke, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Martin Owen. How you doing, Martin? Very well, yourself? I'm really good, mate. Um, it's, it's, it seems a lot warmer now in the UK. And it's staying lighter longer. It's staying lighter longer. Oh, so whenever our terrible government let us out, we're going to be able to get some RC racing going. But... We, we won't talk about that later. We will just go and speak to our guest. So, Martin, who are we going to speak to tonight? Well, we have another legend of RC. Um, one of the few I, Englishmen I ever met when I was a kid racing. We have Mr. Jamie Booth. Hi, Hi. Jamie. Hi, mate. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Should I say, yeah. Great. How are you doing? <laughs> We're all fine, Martin. You're still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Great. Um, Jamie, um, we, you know, straight away, you know, I I probably know you more differently from other people. I know you more from sort of your sort of your your firm, your shop, your distributor of SMD. Yeah. Um, what's RC been like for the last 12 months for SMD? Um, to, to be honest, it's been uh, unpredictable, but in generally mostly a positive manner um in march when we were first locked down i I was really worried um i'd have deliveries from all my suppliers um and i was concerned that if everybody's locked down and people are going to be losing jobs and so on and so forth that the that i'd be stuck with a lot of stock um and within one month of that worry, the next worry was trying to get more product in as fast as possible because um, the market for, um, you know, for, for hobby grade stuff just exploded um, and people were, you know, buying cars, crawlers, scale kits, RTRs um, for something to do while they were at home. Um so yeah, it's been it's been a strange twelve months to be honest. Right. Okay. So, what sort of things does because um, it's Spire model distribution? Yeah. So, what what sort of brands are, are you distributing at the moment? Um, I distribute uh, Charisma Scale Adventure. Um, I do Force Nitro engines, uh, Surpass motors, speed controllers, accessories. Um, SRT servos, um, and I have a range of my own products that uh, that I source from the Far East. I've um, I've got nitro starter boxes that are branded as SMD. Um, I've got some Samoir compatible receivers and some brushless combos and 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 things like that. So uh, I, yeah, I've got um, I've got various you know various brands and bits and bobs, and always looking for you know new opportunities um i still do a bit with hongno but although it tends to be just spares and and accessories for the cars that are out there um so yeah it's uh like i said it's been an interesting 12 months 
Yeah, it's broad church. So what sort of stuff was flying off your shelves then? Um, the crawler, the crawlers especially, um, the crawling kits, scale crawling kits, scale RTRs, um, you know, brushless combos, anything, anything to do with running a hobby grade car. Um, the racing side of things took a took a beating, as you would imagine, um, because your on road boys in particular, you know, they spend a lot of money on thirteen and a half, seventeen and a half, you know, whether it be twelve scale GT twelve touring cars, and those guys, you know, pretty much stop racing for a year. So, so race race products. Have, you know, took a decline, whereas hobby grade products uh, saw a saw a, an increase. Yeah, I think so. Some, I think someone from CML said, you know, and if they sold anything they had with a radio. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then and then the next thing that I think you said was the next battle was then getting more stuff into. To, yeah, to, to it sell. was really it was really crazy, and then. You know, and the the problem you've got is the lead time and the and the delivery time because you know if you even even a small company like myself, you know, you're looking at three months from order to delivery really, um, because it's on the ocean, it's on the ocean four or five weeks. Seen customs ten days, there's six weeks, and then you need to allow time for the manufacturer to produce a product you know, pack it, deliver it to the port, so on and so forth. It's it's easy three months. And I know when I worked at HPI, uh, we used to work six months in advance at HPI. Uh, so if you sold out in April, you know, the stuff that was coming in in May would have been ordered November. So... You know, it's easy for people to criticise, saying, "Oh, there's no, no stock, and can't they get this and can't get that." I mean, all the distributors have the same problem, and no matter how big or small, uh, and that's um, getting product over fast enough. Um, and flying cars, you know, bringing cars in by air instead of ocean, it's just not an option because of the additional cost. Uh, involved with that so yeah you could they could be not on the ocean six weeks but then you wouldn't make anything on the cars anyway so what's the point you know um so that's that's the problem that we that we all had like i say no matter how big or small we all had the same problem at different levels so how is it um do you have a lot of contact with some of the i'm just now assuming that everything in rc is made in china um, do, <clears throat> you know, the majority is it? Yeah, the majority of stuff's made in China um, and the Far East. I mean, I, I do buy some. You know, some of the companies are based in Hong Kong, but they've got a factory in China. Uh, right. Or, or like Hong Hong Nol was based in Taiwan. Um, like Charisma's unusual. You know, he's. Uh, Ivan, the owner, is based in Hong Kong, but his factory is in Ch- actually in China. So um, the stuff's made in China, shipped over the border to Hong Kong, and then shipped from the port in Hong Kong. Uh, okay, and how? And did that's that... fair... 
Go on. Sorry. What, no. What I was going to say is, is, what's it like being communicating with the Chinese? Because I suppose the Chinese maybe went through this before everybody, and then we'd see pictures of them all sort of getting back to normal as quicker. And then, you, do you communicate with China often? Are you do you like your phone yeah. every week? Or? Well, um, you probably don't know, but my girlfriend's Chinese, so uh, I communicate with China every day. Um, it's okay. I was. Um, I went to the Nuremberg Trade Fair in 2018, and uh, I was chatting to the girl from Surpass, and uh, and she said, "Oh, do, do, are you interested in lipo batteries?" Uh, my friend, um, she's got a lipo factory, and I was like, and as soon as we started talking, we hit it off. So uh, we went out for dinner, and then. Later, I flew to China, and then she's been, you know, I've been there four times, she's been here four times, and uh, so, yeah, I speak, I literally speak to somebody in China every day. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's not a local relationship. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, over there, it's been very different to here because... You know, the the Chinese people are as free as we are, but if a government tells them to do something, you do it. Um, there's none of this, this is against my rights and da-da-da-da-da, and I can do this and I can do that. If they tell the, the people to do something, they do it. And um, their lockdowns is like one person in an area gets it and everything shuts, the schools the you know everything shuts and 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 stay at home means stay at home don't walk outside at all um so for for them they contained it very you know the outbreaks they've had they contained it very quickly very easily and their lives now are even without a vaccine they're 99.9% .9 normal you know no problem um, and so I think, you know, without getting too political, there's some questions to be asked about how they do things and how we do things in these particular circumstances. Uh, yeah, I, I think one of the bits I got from one of the business news things I was reading the other month was that every so often Chinese billionaires just disappear for a week. Right. And obviously, I hope the Chinese security services are not listening to this. <laughs> but they like almost say, "So what happens to them?" He goes, "Oh, like the Chinese internal security just pick them up and just hold them yeah. for a week, just to make sure they know that they're allowed to be billionaires, <clears throat> but they're Chinese, and that's more important than being a billionaire. The Chinese oh, government yeah. could, take, could take all of this away from them whenever they want it." Well, it's unusual, isn't it? Because it's communist rule, but capitalist economy. So, um, you know, but, but like I say, I mean, when you visit public places, there's very much, just walking down the street, there's cameras looking at you all the time, um, driving a car around. I mean, foreigners aren't allowed to drive without passing a driving test. So I haven't actually driven there. Um, but when you're driving down the motorway at night, there's cameras all over the place taking pictures of you and where you're going and everything else. But do you know what? I don't do anything illegal, so I ain't got a problem with that. Um, yeah. I don't see the problem. Um, but there are some unusual things. You know, even 
like when we've gone to the beach in Shenzhen, um, going onto the beach, there's only one way onto the beach and you have to go through airport type security to get on the beach. So you have to put your bags through uh, x-ray machines and, 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 and be searched and stuff like that to go on the beach. Um, but again, you know, you feel very safe. There's no, apart from that, you know, people are wandering around on the beach like we do, but to get on the beach, you need to go through airport type security. Um, wow. and, and it's the same in bus station. You go to a bus station, you can't get on a bus at a bus station without going through airport type security. Same at the train station and uh, also places like Tiananmen Square. I went there with Amy and, um, you know, you, again, you had to go through airport type security and there are monuments and, and things like the monument to Chairman Mao. It's uh, protected by soldiers with guns and, you know, if you ran over the fence and tried to spray something on it, your life would be measured in seconds. Do you know what I mean? Yes, they don't ask you nicely to get down. They don't ask you nicely to get down. You'd be shot and that'd be the end of it. Um, but again, I ain't got a problem with that, you know. I, 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 funny. I, Neither you, me or Martin could climb any wall. <laughs> 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 Uh, my my experience of China was lovely. It was a nice place. Yeah, I, I, it's it's an unusual atmosphere. Uh, I think yeah. you know, uh, but I felt I felt very safe there. The people are very interested in you know in foreign in foreigners, particularly like myself, six foot four. You know, yeah. like God, Godzilla walking down the street or something. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. I've you know I've really enjoyed visiting and. Uh, I found that extremely interesting. Um, but, you know, there are some differences, like when you go to the beach area, you know, you walk down the street, there's no bars where rowdy drunk people or anything like that. Um, you know, there's restaurants and people are very reserved and very quiet, generally. Um, and uh, 11 o'clock at night, the place is dead. Uh, you could hear a pin drop, you know. You haven't got a gang of people propping up the bar in the hotel or anything like that. Um, so, it's, you know, their culture is quite different to ours. But, uh, you know. I just meant to think what they thought of us when we were there for the world, then. <laughs> <laughs> we propped up the bar most nights. <laughs> As you probably know, I've been to Worlds. It's a it's a bit of a well, and, you know when you <laughs> when you cross over the line between China and Hong Kong, it's a very different feeling and experience. Um, Hong Kong's very much like like the rest of the West. So you know you'd see you go to a bar area and there'd be a gaggle of girls all laughing and giggling and a gaggle of guys all trying to chat them up and people out having fun. Whereas in in China, it's a bit more, you know, it's a bit more reserved um, and uh, they haven't got that sort of out at night drinking culture or in the areas I've been to anyway. But, um, you know, I'm told Shanghai is different, but I haven't been there. So maybe the next time you get to China, maybe it's Shanghai. Well, well yeah, we'd, I'd love to go to Shanghai, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um, so you mentioned that, you know, 
Surpass is sort of the, the brand you've got for your motors yeah. and your, your electronic speed controls. Um, are they doing really well? I think you sort of said this to be doing quite well on the outside. Well, the, the, a lot of people don't realise Surpass is one of the main suppliers of brushless motors. Um, so a lot of the brands that people perceive to be Western, better-known brands are, are made in that factory anyway. Um, so, you know, I've been to the factory twice and, you know, I'm not going to tell you what brands I've seen there, but, you know, there's a, they make a lot of famous brands in that factory. Um, so, you know, the quality is very good, the price is sensible, and, you know, the reliability is very good. So... I, I was really lucky to get to get with them, you know, um, and that was just by chance, really. Just I just saw something on Facebook, and and um, I'm well. I saw I saw a very well known industry figure who was friends with a lady who had a motor as her profile picture. So I thought, oh, I must add her and send her a message. And that's kind of how it went, um, and that's how I got it. So, yeah, a bit of luck, a bit of uh, a bit of a chance, and you know, it, it's turned out very well. We make very good stuff. Yeah, I wonder how many other sort of suppliers, uh, sort of distributors around the world, go and go to China to actually oh. sort of see what's being done there. If you said you've been like four times, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few of them go, and but you know, communication's not always very easy because uh, there's still, I mean, the youngsters now speak a lot of them are learning English at school, um, but a lot my sort of age, uh, you know, forties and fifties, that sort of age, a lot of them don't speak English, and obviously we're lazy and don't speak Chinese, so communication's not always very easy. Um, and um, it'd be a very difficult place to get around on your own, uh, you know, in, in the industrial areas and that. Nothing's very obvious, and all the signs are in Chinese. And, you know, if, if we go to Germany, I can read München, or I can read, in France, I can read Paris, or I can read... Uh, you know, I can read Reams or, but in China, I can't, I, it's like, it's like you're, it's like you're illiterate. I can't, I can't <laughs> read, I can't understand a single letter. Um, so if somebody said, get off here, I wouldn't be able to check that it was that place fast enough to, to get off the bus or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm also, I'm thinking, I think Martin's got some really good, Stories about taxis in China, but we can probably go through them here. They're as bad as locked away as my hoodie arena stories. But we should probably talk about a bit more about you know racing RC and for yourself because you know I think I insulted you before we started recording by you know not knowing exactly your age difference or your age similarity to Craig Drescher. Yeah, um, yeah, and I I thought you were about the same time, but you're going to tell me you were even before him. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm not sure exactly. I spoke to Craig the other day actually, and we spoke about. I think he's. 
I'm, I'm sure he's about 45, but I'm 52, nearly 53 now. Well, I'm 53 in September, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm older than he is, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was winning when he was coming through the ranks, if you like. We used to travel around to a lot of places together. And I think, like I said to you before the, before we started, uh, I took him to his first Reedy race. Uh, his mum and dad let me take him. Uh, he got invited, and his dad couldn't go, and his mum couldn't go. And I and I said, "Well, I'll take him if if that's okay." And they were like, "Yeah, well, that'd be great if you could." So I was, I don't know, eighty nine. How old would I have been? Uh, I'd have been twenty at the time, and he'd have been about thirteen or something. So we were. We were, you know, we were, I was hardly a mature um, uh, chaperone. What's the right word? R -r mature, um, yeah, whatever the word is. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but anyway, we, we uh, me, Rory Cull and Craig went and uh, I looked after him. So just, for, just for our listeners, are you talking about like a Reedy race in America? Yeah, Reedy raced in uh, California, Costa Mesa, California. Yeah, yeah. In the in the eighties and nineties, we went to, you know, it was, it was an annual thing that we used to do every January, go to the Reedy race, and uh, I did that for I can't remember how many times now, but six, seven, eight times, something. That must be around the time you were there, Martin. It was. I met Mister Beef out there. When I was a, a young, well, not a young nipper, about the same age as Craig, I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think as we spoke before, my my mum was serving food, and you remember it, which is just yeah, bizarre. Do, yeah. That's bizarre. I remember yeah. there was a there was a, a lady that was uh, friendly with all the foreigners, uh, and she was called Lisa, and uh, and there was a, an English lady that helped as well, and they were. Uh, I think it because it was all the reason the Reedy race was in January was it was Mike Reedy's birthday, um, and so the race was to celebrate Mike's birthday, and uh, so very often there was food uh, one of the days at the race, and uh, I remember speaking to an English lady serving the food. Um, and I can't remember. I can't remember exactly, but I just remember there was an English lady yeah. based in Costa Mesa. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it turns out it's your mum, Mark. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean those. So were you racing? Were you using a Tamiya four wheel and a RC ten, or did you have Tamiya two no, four wheel? Uh, originally, in um, let me think. In 1988, when I first went, it was, I was running a, a Schumacher Cat four-wheel drive and an associated RC10. Right. I okay. was I was I was an associated driver and a Schumacher driver because back yeah. then neither manufacturer had both cars. So, and then in 1989, yeah, I was still running uh, associated and Schumacher, um, and then. Uh, at the end of '89, I'd had a very, um, you know, a very generous and interesting offer from Tamiya. Um, and so in 1990, I started racing for Tamiya, um, 
and the very the very first big race I did was straight in at the deep end at the Reedy race in Costa Mesa. Nice. Uh, with the egress and this too. And uh, mixed fortunes really at that race, but the, all the Tamiya guys came over, uh, Taki, Sugiyama, and uh, I think Miura, who's now the guy who runs um, Infinity in Japan. Oh, okay. Masayuki Miura, yeah. Because we used to call him Lamborghini Miura because of you know his his, his surname is exactly spelled the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I, go on, you go first, Mom. Because and through your whole career, you were sponsored by Reedy, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Almost all of it. Yeah. I mean, they were the. I mean. Most people now, they're sport for choice. Back then, you'd had a Reedy motor, you had a Trinity motor, or maybe a peak performance, but there weren't huge choices like we have these yeah. days. Um, and obviously, you had the fun, like I did, of skimming motors, doing brushes. Or you just gave them to my Reading, uh, Later, I ran uh, LRP, and I became the district for LRP in uh, oh, 1990. Okay. So... Uh, Sorry, let me just check if I heard. Sorry. <laughs> Might have been your door that I heard. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Oh. <laughs> um, so, so, so <clears throat> how does that go down? Um, well, it went quite well to start with. At the, at the, and I think as anybody who's raced in California will tell you, <clears throat> excuse me, I've just run upstairs. Um, club racing, customer, particularly radio control of his raceway, really hard. Um, and I had a good race with more traction, and the cars didn't work quite as well. Um, so the two wheel drive was going all right, uh, the egress wasn't going great. Um, so we did some modifications, which included. The front of the standard egress didn't have any caster on it. So, you know, it needed some caster. So we, we messed about with the Tamiya guys. And in the end, just to get some caster on it, put a screwdriver through the wishbone and uh, he heated the wishbone up with a cigarette lighter uh, and bent the screwdriver down to get some angle on, to get some caster on it. Uh, and then, yeah, well, you know, what, what can you do? It needed some cast. It, at that time when it came out, I don't know what the latest one was like, but it had zero caster, um, and it made it nervous um, around the centre. Um, and I just didn't like the way it drove. So um, yeah, we were, we were left with what could we do? What have we got? So put some screwdrivers in, bend the wishbone, and heat it up with a cigarette lighter to get some angle on it. And uh, you know. <laughs> You have to do what you have to do sometimes at a race meeting. What, what you've got there, what, okay, what, I love this phrase, idiots like me, and I've only been doing this for like 14, 15 years, I would never even think of anyone racing a, a, a Tamiya or maybe as our American friends would call it, a Tamiya. Yeah. Um, because that's what you'd, you, I wouldn't even think of that, but that's what you'd have to do. So yeah. was was that... A lot of what you were you were doing, just we, we, to... yeah. Well, they were trying to be taken, 
you know, obviously a very successful company, uh, and they were trying to be taken more seriously in in racing. Um, I'd, I'd actually met the guys from Tamiya in the UK about 1987 or 88. Um, I met them at Chesham at a venue, and it was a secret meeting. I took my my Schumacher cap there, and I met Taki, uh, Colin Spinner, and a couple of other guys from Tamiya. And we had a day practicing together. I was driving the egress and they were driving you know i was messing about the egress and they were comparing it to my cat um you know we did some it was i was always friends with colin from colin spinner was the marketing manager from rico who used to be the tamia distributor in the uk so i'd known colin since our little lad so um you know colin had asked me if i'd if I'd meet them informally, just to just for them to meet me, I have a go with their car, they have a go with mine, and that was that. Um, and we thought, why not? You know, how often do you get a chance to meet, you know, designers and manufacturers from Tamiya? So we did. Me and my dad went, and uh, and some others went down as well. Um, I think Dave Bailey and his dad. Um, who were very big friends with Colin at the time, and well, and still are. Um, so, yeah, it went from there, and we had chats then, and then a few years later, we decided to give it a go. Um, and um, I've, I've actually got um, uh, a modified egress that I've still got. Um, it's quite well known on the Tamiya pages because it was all hand-modified and uh, by the... By, by the guys at the Tamiya factory. Um, so it's got nylon wishbones and it's got handmade metal hangers and so on and so forth. Um, you know, there's, the centre part of the chassis looks the same, but the, the, the suspension's totally different to, to the production yeah. car. So that the, sort of, the sort of stuff that you would do, that you were doing to make this thing raceable, better, whatever, did these yeah. ever then come out onto the kits that I was I might be familiar with? No, the, the 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 because the egress was modified in nineteen ninety. You know that was start of nineteen ninety. They modified it, and then by the time I went to the Reedy race in Japan at Yatabe Arena, around about I can't remember. Oh no, no, that was. It, the, I think the Manta Ray came out in 1990, around about June or July 1990, and I raced it at the Euro was the the Manta Ray. So the the time that I raced the Egress was only a short time, um, a few months before the Manta Ray came out, um, and the Manta Ray was a surprisingly good car, really. Um, and that I made the A at the Euros with it. I can't remember where I finished, but fourth or fifth or something like that. And it was a it was a plastic chassis Manta Ray, but it went well. It was a good car. And that was the you know the 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 car that then later led on to the I had a modified Manta Ray that then developed into a top force, which is you know people still race today. Oh, okay, so it's. 
sort of like the am I get this right? Sort of the modifications that you you might get to, then some of them would then be on the I'm going to say the next kit with a different name, and then maybe you do some modifications on them, and then some of those might get onto the yeah the next. yeah. It was kind of a it was kind of an exercise really by Tammy. It could they do it? You know, and uh, they, they they spent quite a lot on racing and. Uh, you know, after I'd left Tanya, they did do some cars that, you know, they did a production run of 100. I think there were two 11X and four 11X. Um, both of those cars only had a production run of 100 pieces and, and were never actually officially for sale. Um, so it was something that they wanted to, you know, they wanted to, they were known for making cheap, uh, good-looking cars but they wanted to be taken seriously um and so they like i say they spent a lot of quite a lot of money on the you know on the trf venture um to try and prove to people that if they wanted to they could they could become world champions which obviously later they did with the touring cars wow you know it kind of sounds like uh, your mate lamborghini has just moved this on to infinity because it's always look, you know, we had Ricky Bert on on last week, <laughs> and it sounds a bit like you know they're just doing it because they can. Yeah, maybe we release a car, maybe we won't. It doesn't really matter. We're just going to show you all that we can do this. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm not sure on the you know I know the uh, the Infinity thing. I mean, Mura's not the owner of Infinity. Um, he's uh, you know, but he's the he's the he is or was or still is the the top guy in Japan for for Infinity. Um, so yeah, he he was at Tamiya when I was there. So and again, so Martin's gonna love this. You know, <laughs> it, it's still you. I've still got this thing. You know, everyone else is running, I suppose, RC tens, and you're running something that you are bending out of shape with lighters and heat guns. <laughs> It was a little bit crazy, and um, yeah, I mean uh, that was just a one-off. You know, later they they were sending machine parts through, and uh, you know, obviously communication back then wasn't as straightforward as it is now. Um, so Colin would relay, Colin Spinner would relay information to Tamir in Japan, and then they would they would tell Colin they were working on something via fax, and then the next thing a parcel would appear with some bits and pieces or a new car or so on and so forth so and, and then people, it makes that Tamiya stuff that you've got like the most desirable Tamiya stuff well the the, the egress like I say it's quite it's quite well known in Tamiya circles and I, I have had a I have had a couple of very very good offers for it but I've not uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not people I've not, um, I've not really, uh, I've not really bitten at any of them. You know what I mean? Um, I think, I think again, doing a bit of research for this, um, and I think I, I, I must have come across a couple of Tamiya forums, um, RC tech stuff, and then a couple of the answers are Jamie Booth has just answered my question regarding the regrets. Yeah, uh, you know that sort of excitement for people because you know I know. You know, my mate uh, Colin Kershaw loves his egress, uh, and that's why he tends to run at vintage events. 
I know yeah. uh, there's a guy up in uh, there's John Edwards. I think is he's tenth scale art. He's got a he's got a T-shirt that obviously is not an official t- uh, to me a product, but he's right. got like a, an, an an aggress on that T-shirt. Right. Uh, you know yeah. he's do, done some old pictures, but it must have been tough trying to drive. I, I don't know. Race. Yeah, I won a few. I won a few races with it. I won a, you know, I won a Na- British National uh, round at South End. I, I won. Uh, I also won a British National round at uh, with the Astute that year as well. Um, I can't remember where. I can't, you know, it's a long time ago. I can't remember where I finished in the championship, but it was some somewhere in the top top three or four, something like that. With it, so it, it you know, they went they went well. They, they needed I, a few mods here and there, but I think you're my first RC hero, and I, I didn't. I've I, I literally only through checking up for the last day or two I, have I figured this out, Jamie, because I remember <laughs> when I read the magazines, I remember, and I was I like had a Grasshopper Super G. I remember yeah. that somebody at the top was winning with a, an astute and something like like a like a like a madcap or something. That was probably yeah. you. It probably was, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they, what I think they should bring back from those days, Martin, are tech charts. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, they're, they're about, they're, they're about, you know, it's like the 91 Euros at South End. I mean, Craig Drescher drove fantastic and won both classes. Um, but I was second in two-wheel drive and fourth in four-wheel drive with the Tamiya cars. So, you know, they were they were competitive. It wasn't you know, it wasn't like they were useless. They weren't. They were competitive. Did have you driving them, Jamie? Yeah, yeah, but the cars the cars were still you know, they were they were fine, you know. I mean I was I was good back then, but the cars the cars were good as well, you know. Um, the guys in at Tammy had put a lot of work into them. Okay, so moving on to you then, why were you good? Um, I don't know. I just, I just, um, I, I honestly don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't used to practice that much. Although I used to race every weekend, more or less. Um, during a year, I probably had two or three weekends off. Um, and I don't know. I don't know from a, I won the Tamiya National Championships in, I can't remember, was it 80? It might have been 82 and 83 or 83 and 84 or something like that. And uh, I was lucky my dad supported me. Um, and we got in with the, some local people, um, Dave Bailey and his dad, Derek, and a guy called Tony Brace and um, a load of other local guys. And what happened was there was race meetings in Chesterfield and there was race meetings at, Northampton, which was run by Colin Spinner, the then Rico marketing manager. And uh, so our gang would go to Northampton and their gang would come to Chesterfield. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I really enjoyed the cars and racing and I was quite a quiet kid. So, um, yeah, I was quite a quiet kid, and it really, they really brought me out, Michelle, because I was, you know, mixing with different people, and um, you know, 
just learning how to make the cars go better, go faster, go round corners better, stop faster, so on and so forth. And just over time, I just became better and better until I started winning races and national championships. And do you think that's where you were ahead in the, would you, I know it's different days where you had to spend more time at the pit table doing stuff, but was it, was was that something that you worried about or got involved in, or were you just like, hey, just give me the car and I'll just go and drive this? Um, what, when I was younger? Or, or went through your career. You know, you've been great for some I'd, I'd always done the cars myself. Um, so it was always me that had prepared the cars, for better or worse. Um, and, yeah, I've, all, I've always done my own cars, except... Uh, when I've done some vintage race in the last few years, um, a local, very good local friend of mine, uh, Lee Broadhurst, he uh, he loves the vintage stuff, and the last the last two or three years, he's prepared me a car or two to race at the vintage races, um, which we've all enjoyed. There's a, a group of local guys that. We we're we've got a good group of guys, and you know we've done the vintage Euromasters in Holland. Um, we did it in 2020 and 2019, um, and also uh, we've done the revival that's run by John Weston. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, you know, apart from apart from those cars, I've always prepared my own cars. Right. Okay. Uh, I think I think the iconic event that booking in for that might actually open or while people are listening to this the booking in for the iconic event that john weston runs for and raises all this money for good causes i think yeah. booking in is opens i think it opens this weekend doesn't it i think so yeah i mean john you know john john's a lovely guy and um it's uh you know it's it, the, the vintage things really it's really grown rapidly over the last few years and um, we tend to have a good laugh and you know the cars are the cars are not as good as the modern cars but you have to drive them you know um tell me that jamie i'm a, i'm assuming my top cat is going to be just as good as my lay down going around the corner yeah <laughs> yeah right yeah good luck with that um but i found it quite good fun you know last year we raced uh, i raced an astute two-wheel drive and they and Lee's um, top force in four-wheel drive, and that was, you know, it went very well. You know, I enjoyed racing them, to be honest. And in in Holland, I raced a RC10 and a and a hot shot. That was fun racing a hot shot, bucking and skipping around on the bumps. Um, but it was super, it was good fun to drive. I enjoyed driving it, to be honest. Like I say, you have to drive them. They don't they don't want to do what you're trying to make them do. Oh, don't be saying this. I want to try and get into this iconic for for this year. Yeah. And get it's good. You ought to try. You ought to try. It's good. Um, I've got my top cat ready. I'm trying to find a, a pinion big enough or a spur gear small enough um, <laughs> for me for me 10.5 brushless that I've bought for it. Well, that's um, plenty. To be honest, that's plenty in a vintage car. Um, in the two-wheel drives in... I can't remember if it this year did we run? Oh, sorry, last year. I think I would run a thirteen and a half in my two wheel drive last last year at the revival. 
okay. I'm sure it, I'm sure it's only a 13 and a half. Because otherwise, you just end up managing wheelies. Because with the rear engine cars, they just squat down and wheelie all the time. And you spend that much time with the front wheels in the air, you're just not going around the corners very well. So we tend to run quite a soft motor in them. So are you saying I should get a 13 and a half? Well, I, I would suggest you borrow one off a mate and, poss- and think about the possibility of putting it in, yeah. Okay. For me, Jamie, that's thinking of, uh, I'll, I'll happily buy it and then I'll just find a mate to put it in for me. Um, <laughs> and, and that'll probably be good. I think a, a, a Lee Broadhurst car's quite often like with like a Union Jack. Yeah, he's Lee's... Yeah. Uh, you know, he's very, very good at preparing cars. They're always beautifully prepared. Um, and uh, he enjoys preparing them. Um, and, yeah, he's, yeah, he often yellow with a Union Jack on. And, um, yeah, yeah, he does a really good job. Okay, well, well before we let you go, um, one of the things is, you know, you have been doing this for 40 years. Yeah, uh, you know. Is there is there anything we should be different? Is there any pearls of wisdom we can drag out well, of I, I, Well, I think at the moment, I think the disappointing thing for all of us is the lack of youngsters racing. Um, you know, uh, a friend, Sean Thompson from PBM, he posted a picture just last night on Facebook of uh, of, a, of a, a club at Worksop. And there must have been 25 youngsters racing. And when I say youngsters, I mean, you know, probably 8 to 13 to 15 or whatever. Um, You know, when we go to race meetings now, I look around and it's not just me that's been doing it 40 years. There's a lot of familiar faces. And that's one of the exciting things about the crawler, the scale crawler uh, events. And when I've gone to those, there are, quite a lot of youngsters involved um and i think as a hobby we need to get more young people involved um you know get them off the playstations and get them out out and about and learning mechanics of cars competition and just out having fun you know um so that's what i think xboxes are really fun though they're very good yeah. yeah but you're but you're nailed inside aren't you you know you're not you know, traveling around the country, meeting different people, um, experiencing different, uh, or around the world like myself, you know, I've been fortunate. I've literally traveled the world and, and experienced all those different, you know, languages, cultures, um, all those, you know, it's just, I, you know, it's, it's brilliant yes. to do that. You, you traveled know. halfway around the world and met Martin's mum. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that shows yeah. you what a what a what a small world it is. Yeah, um, that's right. And you know, I'm a big fan of you know the good bits of Facebook. You know, and that's the the thing that we can see that I you know I was watching some a fellow I know called Chris in Florida rebuild his rear hub because he's going racing and he was just doing it on Facebook and I'm sitting there going. And I was chatting to him because it's his birthday as well last yeah. week. And, and I'm like, I'm chatting with somebody in, I assume, Florida, you know, yeah. somewhere warm in the States. Just like he's on video. I'm saying hello. I'm wishing him happy birthday. Someone else is he's digging out. 
And I'm like, this fe- I, this fella could be next door, but he's the other side of the world. Yeah, it's, it's, modern communication and social media and stuff it is amazing, really, isn't it? You know, uh, when we used to go to races in the 80s and 90s, you know, you'd see somebody, so like some of the Americans or something, and then you wouldn't have any contact until a year later. You know, zero contact, naught. Yeah. Um, because we didn't have a fax, they didn't have a fax, we didn't have mobile phones, we didn't have Facebook. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, the world's changed a lot during the years I've raced. And then I'm going to bring this then through to, like, sponsorship. You know, yeah. some people moan about sponsorship that's too easy or there's too many. But, it, sorry, in the good old days, the Jamie Booth, you know, shorts, massive blonde, we'd say the word wig in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, unless you the only sort of advertisement teams got was a picture of the podium. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So you had to sponsor the people who were winning because well, otherwise, back, yeah. Back then, I think you know the sponsorship thing is, you know, it's difficult now. I mean, it's not really sponsorship for a lot of people. It's just contracted trade drivers, isn't it? You know. Um, Back back in the eighties, the only the top few were sponsored, and they were sponsored for parts, and 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 you know I was sponsored for travel as well, and and also I, I did get a wage. Um, nowadays, a lot of people that say they're sponsored, they just they really, you know, they're getting a a cheaper drive, a contracted cheaper drive off of um, a distributor or a manufacturer. Um, I think the problem with that, you know, is that's really cut sales out for the shops. So, I mean, if you look at the eight scale market now in particular, it's, you know, that's probably the worst of the lot. You know, who who walks in a shop and buys an eight scale car? They've all got a drive off of a distributor. So, you know, that's kind of, I I got into RC looking at cars in my local shop. If there's no local shop, I I maybe would have never got into it. So by manufacturers and distributors, and we all do it. You know, we all help support sell okay. because we've all, the, 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 there's such an oversupply of product that if um, if a shop won't stock your stuff, why not sell it to somebody? Directly, um, but in the in the long run, yeah, if everybody else is doing it, you might as well join in or lose the sale, you know. Um, but that's taking the cars out of, you know. We we used to see them in model shops in Beaties. I used to stand and watch the videos in Beaties. Um, there was a local shop in Chesterfield called Pepper Days, and I used to go and drool at the window. Where, you know, I wanted a Tamiya Sandscorcher, which was my first car. Um, and I'm just concerned that, you know, without those shops now, how, is there any wonder there are there are less and less youngsters involved? Where are they ever going to see the cars? Yeah, we had the exact same conversation in a WhatsApp group that I know Martin's in as well. You know, it was a load of us sort of saying BTs, BTs bags, 
yeah. model shops in Manchester, standing up watching the video. Yeah. Bits yeah. that you could watch outside. And then I'm sitting there going, well, I must have spent, you know, two hours every Saturday in that shop. Yeah. I only ever bought one Grasshopper Super G. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of shops there for... I think the other issue now is, you know, kids... Are, there's a couple of issues, I think, and uh, kids are leaving school now and they're not as mechanically competent as perhaps we were because they're coming yeah. out and they're, they're, they're full of computer knowledge, you know. Um, then um, if their parents buy them an RC car, they might buy it from a mail-order place 200 miles away. Um, Little Johnny goes outside, knocks the front corner off on the curb. Oh, how do we fix that then? Um, you know, a lot of people, it's amazing, it's amazing. I've been amazed when you speak to youngsters these days and they watch you work on a car and they're like, how do you know that goes there? How do you know this? And it's like, well, in the 80s, you just, if, if you broke it, you fixed it. You fixed your bike, you fixed your skateboard, you fixed your model car. You know, now kid, kids now are used to pressing a button, turning on an Xbox. If they crash it, well, just press a button and it's new again, and, and off you go. Um, buying a car remotely, breaking it, and then not having a shop to go to to be able to help them repair it, I think I think is an issue. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm just a grumpy old man. We well, no. <laughs> you know there's no answers that really. Everyone's got to do. You know, it's a free market economy. People will do whatever they need to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I get help from a manufacturer, and I am terrible. You know. Yeah. But that's the way the world goes. You know, in your day, if you didn't sponsor Jamie Booth, then you know, yeah, you, they'd only see a picture of your jumper. But how will our newcomers ever going to come in when all the shops have disappeared? Sorry, this is this is a bit of a thing now. But so catch twenty two, really, isn't it? You know, yeah, our, our, our shop, our local shop, stopped selling RC stuff before we stopped buying it. That's what I right, would say. Yeah. Okay. We, yeah. But but that might have been because we just went to sorry MB Models, Model Sport, or yeah, yeah, one of the bigger things because they, yeah. you know, did we kill them because of stock levels? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than and if there's a fight against, well, it's a difficult, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, there was on there's only a few manufacturers back then in the old days. Um, hello, yeah, yep. are you there? Okay, oh, sorry, yeah. I, made a, I heard a bing bong noise and thought, oh, it's over. But, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, at the end of the day, you start importing stuff, and if if a shop if a shop won't stock it or they're not selling what you think they can sell, you know, you've got stuff piling up. You've got it coming in three months, ordered three months in advance. Um, it's got to be moved. Do you know what I mean? Um, but where's the, where's the window for the future, you know, to get, to get kids involved. I'm just trying to get the new people that have come to Southport over 2020. Um, Mostly middle-aged men. Yeah, a few middle-aged men have then brought their children. Yeah, but they're the people. Um, 
who have who have turned up over twenty twenty. You know, yeah. Maybe maybe bought a, a, a Timia, maybe bought something ready to run. Yeah, and, th- and then sort of oh, they used to do that in the park. Oh, that's still there, and they've bumped into a mate, and oh, I didn't know you still did this. Yeah, that seems being yeah. the the new way back in. You know, kids are yeah. I, I remember seeing that picture that Sean Thompson put up. It, it's that old. I can't recognise Carl Marsden on it. Yeah, um, yeah. But look, did you see how many kids were racing there? Oh yeah. That was just one. That was just one club. You know, you, you'd be lucky to see. You know, at any of the local clubs near me now. There's a there's a club called Manor RC, and they get uh, they get a few youngsters, probably three or four. You know. Which is good to see. It's better than none. But you know, if you go to a meeting such as a, a workshop, the Schumacher Masters at workshop, you walk in the room and there's people that are in that room that I've known thirty five years, forty years. You know, uh, uh, and we've all just got older. And if we don't encourage more youngsters into it, then it, you know, unfortunately, another twenty years time, it's you know. We're going to be losing losing numbers uh, through natural causes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hang on, hang on, Mark. I'm panicking now. Who's going to listen to this <laughs> podcast in twenty years' time? <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. I could I could tell you the the age profile of podcast listeners. We do get that through Spotify, right? Okay, and ninety. I'm trying to add it up in my head as I can look at it now. Ninety percent are over thirty five, thirty fives to fifty fives. Yeah. Well, and I know Paul Worsley at the BRCA. He's um, I know Paul really well, and he's he's a man of statistics, and uh, he'd done. I know that um, he'd done. He told. I can't remember the exact figures, but when I in the in the nineties, I was regularly one of the oldest in the A final at 26 and the average age was 19 and I'm sure he told me now that the average age of an A final is 39 so the average in 20 years the average age has gone up 20 or 18 years or something like that so it's the the same people who were there all those years ago yeah that's Ella Stafford and Barton just dragging that up isn't it yeah (laughs) old people yeah. Just blame Alice. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's so, so basically what we've learned in this hour is the way forward for RC racing in the UK is to ban Ellis Stafford. Um, <laughs> that's, that's clearly we've all heard Jamie say those words. Poor Ellis. I mean, he was a youngster when I was racing, you know. He was racing, you know, X6 days, you know, yeah. speed hangers, world supply of brass on an X6. Those those are great days. Jamie, but we, we've had you on for, for far too long now. Um, all right, mate. No worries. So, I've waffled a bit. I'm no, getting old. no, not at all. Great. <laughs> right. The, the, the more you talk, the less me and Martin do, and that's what people prefer. Yeah. But, but before you let you go, um, is there anybody you just like to, who's been nice to you, uh, or, or you haven't mentioned in the last hour before we say goodbye? Um, 
Oh, just I, I met a lot of wonderful people in RC and made an awful lot of friends all over the world. And it's you know it's a great hobby to be involved with, and I'm grateful for meeting all those people and making all those friends. Um, and yeah, yeah, thanks to every one of them. That's brilliant, mate. Um, and I'll assume that Lee Broadhurst will be looking after my top cat. <laughs> uh, at, at the iconic meeting, so you best get your own prep. Um, I'm I'm quite excited because um, I'm running a Cat XLS this year, and that's one of my favourite cars ever. So uh, Lee's prepared me a Cat XLS, and um, yeah, looking forward to that. Well, make sure it's done because you're not going to have any help off him on the Friday and the Saturday. <laughs> it's going to be a hot. Not that Lee knows this. Not that Lee knows who I am. But we will do by the end of that iconic meeting. <laughs> if, if I get a place. I'm not being funny. Yeah. We've sponsored it, so I'm kind of hoping we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's probably the only way we can guarantee one. And get, I think get, get your entry in early. That's my advice. It's always oversubscribed. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I even struggle with it. I don't even know how old the top cat is. So I don't know what entry they're gonna. I'm gonna have to put it in, but we'll we'll figure it out. Jamie, it's been brilliant. Thanks very much for your time. Right, I'm gonna catch up with you soon. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. 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 Well, that was great speaking to Jamie. Um, nice to catch up from, from both sides. You know, being a distributor, the racer. I know we're probably going to be uh, lynched by a load of vintage guys <laughs> because we didn't spend enough time talking about astute. Um, oh, wow. But, you know, I'm not being funny. You vintage people should do your own podcast. There's enough of you. If you can spend three grand on an on-road 12th car, you can, you know, do your own podcast. Um, it was also good, mainly because you went there, that we spoke to Ricky Bertal last week. Yeah, it was good to listen to. I enjoyed that. It was really nice to speak to Ricky. Um, And I thought that was, it it worked quite well because me and Joey done a bit of prep watching the the Euros that we spoke about. And that helped us speak more about that final race. And it was good that he won. That was really good. Um, Jamie was on a bit longer than normal. So I've got actually got some things to talk about, but we can just probably skip through them and we can just talk about the ones we want. Is that all right? Sounds good to me. Like a test for you. Um, the first one's not written down. Why have you changed your profile picture to your SWG buggy? Because I got bullied by Elliot Boots. That's a pretty good answer. Um, would we buy a race built TLR? See, I think it's a good idea if you were like a working, very busy working class person that wanted to race RC cars and didn't have time to build it. Yeah, why not? I think in the States, where they're saying it'd be quite popular. Yeah, I must have. I didn't look at that, so I don't know. It's just my mm. view is if, you know, they put one set of oil in it, is that to run on dirt or is it to run on carpet? Probably just their standard kit setup, I would think. Yeah, okay. I know, I remember reading something from the Zen on road cars. Are they the ones Splash It does? What, he builds them? I think he builds them. They'd be pretty good then. Yeah, I think he said it's easier just to build them than to put the things in the packets. Right, okay. Just to make sure maybe that thing. So race build TLR 
22 5.0s are available. I think there's a video from Frank Loot. Um, I mean, I like was... building cars, but if someone said, here's one built, I wouldn't moan. Even, even I would worry about that it was, was it done properly. But you can't build one yourself properly, so anything's better if it came built for you. I have built the last two cars Yeah, and I've seen them fall apart. Their wheels fall off. Tires <laughs> fall off, but the cars don't fall apart. You know, and then you done, win some. Then you win some MIP tools to build them. You moan about that because you think one's wrong. Oh, I haven't checked them. I'll check them. I'll check them now. Well, not now. We're doing a podcast. Okay. Um, race build. Um, oh, we talked about um, egresses. Okay, that, that I think wasn't egress or an astute. We talked with Jamie. I don't know, it's alien to me. You didn't race Tamiya's when I grew up. No. Uh, was the was that I? I thought it was quite weird. Um it is an aggress. Talking about an aggress. Um my mate John Edwards up in the northeast, I'm sure he is tenth scale art. Uh I bought some lovely stickers of like hot chops and manta rays and stuff and put it onto my pit board. All right. He does them. He's got a um, a couple of, like, I think it's you know, big wigs or T-shirts that he makes with, like, hand-drawn Tamiya designs on. But Tamiya, oh, yeah, I've obviously. seen those. Yeah, they look quite nice. I have seen them. Well, good, because if you like or share or comment on this episode... Okay, what, me? What, me? Well, you're not you, because you're not going to win one. Okay. Um, if you do that, when we remember, because we might not remember next week, maybe the week after that... John has very kindly said he will post one out to the lucky winner. So anyone, any of our lovely friends and supporters, you know, the people who haven't abandoned us because they love Chris Bowden, those people. I like Chris Bowden. Can I imagine you? Yeah, you can. <laughs> um, so James Crockhart sent me a very strange picture of Chris um, with no explanation. And so if you do like, share, or comment this, then you, we will put you in a draw and you can win one of these Egress t-shirts. Unless we forget to do it and then you'll win the next t-shirt that he'll produce. Okay? So that was very nice of John Edwards. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to say I've liked a page called No Pro RC. Have you seen No Pro RC? Martin? Uh, I did say no. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear that bit. Um yeah. That I'm not exactly sure who does it. It's just some American eighth guy. Um, right. But I just think he's got a real nice attitude and regarding helping people. So if you check out No Pro RC, um, you'll see that I liked it. I just think there's some nice general information regarding being helpful at the track and things along those lines. Some videos, but some of that stuff is, is just nice. I, I like happy stuff. Um, um I've spoken to Dylan Saunders, okay, because Dylan Saunders won our EBRC MIP prize the other week, so I've spoken to him, uh, and I said he needs to speak directly to David Burton, and I'm glad I've got that sorted this week, so I don't need to speak to David Burton after the derby, Um, (laughs) we won't be doing that. Um, other bits I've got now are... Have you seen any of the DNC coverage? I've watched a little bit of it. Yeah, I've watched a bit. I, I think, track looks quite strange. 
busy or it just looks quite small for an eighth track yeah because it's at a permanent venue this time isn't it yeah i mean it looks good the jumps and so it looks it looks um challenging it just looks kind of small like there's no straight it's just one kind of big corner i, I think i've realized why i've always liked the dnc is because one dnc is funnier to europeans than it is clearly to americans but <laughs> the it is scotty they must always pay for live RC to be there. That means Scotty's there. Tyler Hawks has made it through all the Texas blizzards. Um, and that just makes any sort of race event for me. You know, to what people to listen to it, you know, if I turn that on, then Scotty Ernst is just going to be having a great time. Um, so please check out the DNC coverage. And if we are super lucky on all of our listeners, cross their fingers and say nice things, then we'll try and get somebody on from the DNC who's raced it this weekend and we'll speak to them next weekend um okay well was i the only person who was disappointed with the with the mayarco video i didn't watch it i'm sorry well you know it did look like you know scott walker was being held hostage <laughs> it, it, it did have a, a french man talking for a lot of time um, I had no idea this is a rebadged JQ, but apparently it's a rebadged JQ. That doesn't mean I don't think the business model might not work. Uh, I think when most people are listening to this, I think JQ's doing a Facebook or YouTube live something on Friday, I think he said. But all the JQ drivers now are now going to be moving to the Myoko team. Okay. That, that, that tells me everything I need to know. That might be a great thing for my Arco to start. Um, and I'm totally not jealous of me asking a really good question, like, why don't you just call it JQ? And then, what's his name? John, with the two lads who are really quick. And I prefer one brother than the other one. John Skidmore. Skidmore saying because they will they won't sell any if they call it JQ. And he got far too many likes and laughs on his <laughs> comments. And my joke was funnier than his. Um mm. did, you, did you did you get a mug? Have you got a mug, Martin? No, I haven't got a mug. Well, I am a mug, but I haven't got one. You haven't got an extra lap. I'm sitting there drinking out my extra lap mug. Um I don't know what we're gonna do a mug, what we're gonna do with mugs. Mugs can be done. Uh, it's just like it costs as much to post a mug as it does to make a mug. That's well, the problem. So if you sent Joey a mug, he ain't gonna stop moaning. Oh, Joey's never getting one. <laughs> I'm not being funny. I've sent one to Florida. Thank you very much, Chris Bowden, for helping out with that. Oh yeah, you didn't listen about that. Yeah, one's gone already. Um, but that's the thing. So I don't know whether we we do mugs. But I'm not being funny. It, it, it is the same amount to post one mug as it is to make the mug. We're not trying to make money. It's just like, then that makes it an expensive mug. So I don't know whether we'll just, you know, whether we just make, I'll just get 20 made for me and 20 made for you, Martin, and get them sent to our houses. And, and then, then we could like give them out at race meetings. Yeah, if we ever have another race meeting again. We will. Um, that, that did remind me, by the time we record again, we might we know more. Know, yeah, I think we will know more. Um, our terrible governments will have said something, and then the BRCA will have 
probably release some sort of statement. Um, I think maybe we'll get back to practicing. I can't see racing yet. Actually, do you know my thing with that is? I thought racing was actually easier to socially distance than practicing. Mm, yeah, I suppose it is. For a private venue, at one Mendip, it would practice was easy because you can control how many people are on site. Yeah, I don't. People always say, "Well, you can just have less numbers." I don't think it's an issue of numbers; it's controlling those people moving through the venue. I'm not saying we can do a hundred, but you know, having thirty oh, in Southport, it's heats of eight or heats of seven. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. it was just as easy to just say three twenty-one people, three heats. Then just to say twenty, you know, ten people turn up, and then you know, because people are then joining the rostrum at the different times and doing those things. I I don't know. Um, the only bit I got, and this is not from the BRCA, is if you're an individual and you want to know what's going on, don't message the BRCA next week. No. Clubs, I've got to message the BRCA next week. Organisers of series and venues, I've got to message the BRCA next week to make sure they know what they're doing. So here, here's my whole COVID issue that I can see. Well, well, and. The government are talking about keeping the one meter rule until the end of the year, mm -hmm. which is okay for clubs running six, seven people in the rostrum, but it's going to make it really hard for bigger events again if they've got a small rostrum. Yeah, um, that's the issue I can see. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're spot on. There's going to be something that's just going to make that we're not going to think of that's actually going to make it really difficult to do events. You know. Yeah. Certain events, not others. So I think, though these rules will probably change next week, but you're not allowed to scrutineer in the UK. No. I don't think you're allowed. I think I asked that of the BRCA, and their view was no. no. So that means certain events who need to be scrutinized can't happen, and others that don't. So that's, that was my main point for that, is that yeah. when, we, when the government says something, the BRCA have got to... Read that. Read what the Motorsport Association say. Read the next thing the government put out until they bring their thoughts out. So please don't message the BRCA directly if you're just trying to find out about you, unless you are special or different. Okay? Yeah. Maybe yeah. just ask your mate. And that also means don't message. You can you know, say to your club you're interested. You can but, message you know, Joey. Oh, message Joey. Joseph yeah. Cockhill. Okay, J O S S E P H C O C K I L L. Joseph Cockhill, message him. He knows everything. He's the man. Yeah. Um, Again, you'll wonder where I get so many messages. I think that's it. I think it's everyone on my list. Egress, Pro RC, Dylan Saunders, Ricky Burton, Mayarco, Race Built TLR, DNC. DNC. You know, say nice things about Scotty. Um, yeah. And hopefully, we'll by the time we, us two, try and do this again, we should know some more information about when we might be able to get back to racing in the UK. And um, next week, it could be the return of all three of us for once. It could be. Could be. Unless Joey gets snowballed by messages regarding mugs. True. Yeah. Yeah. So message Joey about mugs. He's the man who knows all about mugs. Mugs and when we're going racing again. And when we're going racing, yeah. Cut out all the BRCA executive committee. 
straight to Joseph Cockle. Um, is that a stun? Yep. That is good. I'm going to thank my sponsors. I don't know who's... We should really write that down as well. I'm going to say thank you to the hashtag Schumacher family for all their help and support that they give. Um, specifically, this time I'm going to thank the guys in the Northwest who produce, give me a bit of extra help and um, do that. I'm going to say thanks to TK Models for supplying me with all the stuff that, that I need. Um, Vix paints for my shells that I've got new ones and no one's seen them. Composite kit for just the best hats, though I believe they do other things. Clinic for all my other exciting things, you know, and you can buy clinic stuff in the UK through any where you can get some Schumacher stuff. I think Andy Woods wanted some B4 RC10 lay shafts. So, Tony, when you're listening to this, get some of those made. And is there anybody else? Oh, I've forgotten. Can't think of anyone. I would like to also thank Inside Line, Janice and Paul, for all the help that they've given Southport indoors. Uh, and, you know, for next, for when we get some racing outdoors, Inside Line, for all the help that they've done. They've helped us a lot with, you know, support indoors, turn up to our meetings, Paul being there with a the shop, and helped us with the raffles that some fella keeps organising for us. <laughs> um, thank you very much, mate. Um, and thank you to Jorn for sorting out sending his shell to Paul. Um, Paul well, hasn't got his... You want to get... did, did he win the first time? Yeah. Wow. Yes, he's won. I believe he won another lay down as well. So he's won three Schumacher laydowns since Christmas. Wow. That's a lot of carpet speed he's got. It is, yeah. That's a lot of carpet speed. Um, that's great. Um, there were some awesome podcasts who I listened to and I cannot remember. I liked enjoy I listened to this week. I've done a bit more work this week, which means I've been out on the road. I enjoyed listening to the Voice RC podcast with Mackenzie. Sorry, can't remember her name. Um, the other person from Race Like a Girl. Um, so um, the Voice RC podcast with Mackenzie. She talks about you know her challenges of being like the only girl ever track racing one eight nitro and how that's grown. Uh, I was in work today, so I have actually listened to all of the Grid Talk podcast with our teammate Alan O'Brien on. Yeah, I've not listened to it. I'm saving it for tomorrow. Yeah, save it for tomorrow. So lots of good stuff regarding... I need a translator to listen to him, though. Ah, you know, he's, he's getting better. I think he's taking lessons. You think so? Yeah, I think he's taking lessons. I don't know who from. No one in Scotland, because they all hate him. Yeah, do you know what? I'm not being funny. That's a joke, but true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they were t- he was talking about his time racing eight stock cars on ovals. Yeah, he did some of that. Did some of that. I suppose that's all you can do in Scotland. And the Scottish Scottish people do seem to be spending a lot of their time trying to build some Astro tracks over the summer, so that would be great. Um, sort that out. While I look for the button, please like and share this podcast. Please like and share all the podcasts. Um, 
that's probably us done. Martin, I will speak to you next week. Can I thank a sponsor real quick? Your question? So that I don't get bullied anymore. Yeah. I just thank um and obviously this sponsor has um been to do hell and back lately, so I'd just like to thank Peter Answer RC. Obviously he has got veterans back home, which is great. And um and my for my awesome eight scale S works. There you go, Mr. Boots, just for you. Yeah, well done. I like you know, if you're gonna get bullied by someone to post a picture and change your profile, hopefully Muzz has turned off by now. <laughs> get an Elliot boot. And obviously, you know, we would be really happy. You know, S works and um and so obviously we're great to you this year and helped you through your your eight D buggy adventure, which I'm sure you're gonna continue on. Um and you know, if there's anything we can do for those guys, and you shared a couple of posts, you know, we're happy to do that. Um, okay, boss, that was done. See ya. Thank you very much. Speak to you all later. Speak to you next week, I'm people. Bye, bye yeah, now. Bye. Never missed you, Joey, once. No. Nope.